Are eating disorders responsive to pharmacologic treatments? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Vicki Burkus, psychiatrist and eating disorder specialist in Tucson, Arizona. Welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Dr. Burkus, what role do medicines have in the treatment of eating disorders? That's a great question. I guess the answer is twofold, sometimes very little, and sometimes, yes, they can help. You know, Leslie, as you know, as we see patients come into our office, wouldn't it be nice to just have one diagnosis? <laughs> just say, okay, I'm going to treat their bulimia, or I'm going to treat their anorexia, or I'm going to treat their obesity. And yet, there's such a strong mind-body connection that they may have a mood disorder. They may have an anxiety disorder. They may be bipolar. They may have OCD that's branching into other areas of their life other than their eating disorder. So each patient is sort of viewed as an individual. And every time I go to a conference on eating disorders, all the papers are being presented about the use of SSRIs in treating eating disorder patients or the use of mood stabilizers or the use of diet pills. And I think what we've learned over the years is that we don't have the optimum treatment at this point medication-wise. But there are a few pearls that I can share with the docs that are listening. Fantastic. If you have a patient that's anorexic, we're looking at something under the obsessive compulsive umbrella. And the studies have shown that their brains aren't producing enough serotonin to really have an effect of using an SSRI, such as Prozac or Paxil or Zoloft or Luvox or Lexapro. And so what I will do with that patient who is so obsessive and can't stop that, those thoughts of, I can't eat, I'm fat, you know, just the that 24-7, in-your-face, unrelenting, pervasive, negative self-talk will sometimes respond to what I call a lick dose of something like Abilify or Risperdal. And I know parents get horrified. What do you mean you want to put my child on one of those kind of medications? So an antipsychotic? It sounds crazy. No pun intended. <laughs> but again, what we're trying to do is give that patient a level of freedom from this obsessive thinking so that they might be willing to try a new behavior. And so what I have found is, you know, when we're talking medication, I'm talking maybe 2 milligrams of Abilify or 0.5 milligrams of Risperdal just to give their, that person a chance to maybe be able to push back those thoughts just for a moment and try something new. And what kind of success do you have with that? I've had great success because the mood stabilization component of those medications gives that patient a feeling that, okay, I have a little bit more control over my feelings. I'm not as apt to act out maybe by binging or purging or or cutting or hitting myself or, you know, in, in terms of stopping those unrelenting negative talk that's going on. Now, wouldn't it make sense, though, to give something that just stimulates your appetite? And um, certainly if you're going to use an antipsychotic, look at olanzapine or Zyprexa, which at least my patients tend to gain a lot of weight on. How about that? Well, that's the quickest way to lose your patient. Oh. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah. They are exquisitely knowledgeable over which medications cause weight gain if you're looking at a patient with anorexia. And for me, that's the kiss of death. They'll, shake, they'll nod their head, okay, okay, because mom's sitting there or dad's sitting there. They'll take the medication home and boom, right down the toilet. So mirtazapine, uh, Remeron, same sort of thing? You would think they have PhDs in pharmacology. <laughs> they are not going to go near it. Huh. Huh. So part of that 
sort of therapeutic relationship is acknowledging that you're not going to teach them much about medication or nutrition. What you are going to offer them is a little bit of freedom to alter their behavior and maybe stop some of the mood swings that they're having or the obsessive thoughts. So that's for anorexia. What about the other eating disorders? Well, bulimia, there's a lot of impulse control stuff going on because um, a patient with bulimia is more apt to be involved in either substance abuse or sexually acting out or things that, you know, a lot of times they're adolescents, they're away at college, they're going to be into several different types of behaviors along with their purging, whether it's laxatives or exercising or vomiting. And so they may be tending to have more of the mood disorders involved also. So for that patient, I may try an antidepressant. And depending on what they feel is what I call the alligator closest to the boat, you know, I'll say, (laughs) what's bugging you the most about your mood? And if they say, I'm afraid to go out socially, you know, here I am starting college and everybody seems so comfortable and I can't do it. I can't walk into that classroom then I may choose something to address not only the eating disorder, impulse control stuff, but also the social phobia, like a Paxil. Now, are any of the antidepressants or any other medicines, for that matter, FDA approved to treat eating disorders? No. And that's sort of the trouble with trying to get funding. You know, the pharmaceutical companies are saying, wait a minute, we're talking about a small percentage of the population, and we don't have the FDA approval to treat specifically eating disorders. Actually, um, isn't uh, fluoxetine approved for bulimia? The studies probably have been more numerous with fluvoxamine, but no, they don't have that FDA indication. So, Vicki, um, any other tips for bulimia patients in terms of meds? I would say, you know what, the patient's going to be the book. You look at their history, you look at what they've tried. If they haven't had any success on an SSRI, you might try an SNRI you know, looking at Effexor or even looking at Cymbalta. Because if they also have mood variability or a history of cyclic depressions with maybe some hypomania where they're acting out and their eating disorder behaviors are part of that, that might be beneficial. But there's, again, no one medication that has proved that effective. Like I said, most of the studies have been done with with Prozac, but it's going to be real individually based. Okay, now how about um, compulsive overeaters? What do you do with them medication-wise? That's been an ongoing debate because there are two FDA-approved medications. There's Meridia and also Orlistat. And my concern with someone that's compulsively overeating is, number one, a lot of times these medications are okay in the short run. There's a lot of side effects with the Orlistat. And with the Meridia, it can decrease appetite. But I sort of tell the patient, you know, I'm not opposed to trying one of these. But if I gave you a medication for your hypertension, you expect your blood pressure to go down when you're taking the medication. But what happens when you stop the medication? Your blood pressure goes back up. So I sort of look at some of these medications as the same. You can take of it when you stop the medication unless we've had a team approach to get their eating under control, to help their self-esteem issues, to look at their mood disorder, to work with them on several levels to provide a menu for healthier eating. It's not going to be real effective. And so the thing that I struggle with is, can you imagine walking into your doctor's office and being told you have to lose 100 pounds? To me, that would be so overwhelming. 
And so I think the thing that we do is set very small, reasonable goals. Let's look at 10 pounds. Let's see what we can do to change your behavior and just sort of give you some options, maybe to be a little bit more active or to really be aware of your hunger level and to divide everything in half and eat throughout the day. So, Dr. Burkus, are there any medications that are FDA-approved to treat eating disorders? Prozac right now has the FDA indication for bulimia nervosa, and it's probably been the most studied medication. We go back and forth in the literature. At times, it's, it's thought that the higher doses, the 60 to 80 milligrams, are more effective. And then years go by, and we back it off to the 20 or 40 milligram range. I think the take-home message about using Prozac is that the patient is the book. And you're going to follow what the patient's telling you about their response to the medication. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, let's switch gears a little bit here and talk about medications that the patients may be using. Uh, we talked a bit about laxatives. Um, what about other things that they may use in an effort to try to control their weight? I have had such an education for my patients, especially working at an inpatient eating disorder facility. I have learned that patients will drink a lot of tea because the tannic acid in tea will serve as a diuretic. They will load the tea with sometimes 50 packets of one of the artificial sweeteners, again, using it as a diuretic, or they'll load it with lemon slices. I, um, I had to take all the potted plants out of the, the eating area because that's where the mayonnaise or the peanut butter or the butter pads would wind up dealing with... Oh, in the cafeteria. Right. Dealing with patients that are anorexic. Oh, my gosh. I know. They are so aware of what they're not going to eat. And so, again, they will do what we call fillers. They'll drink a lot of fluids, a lot of caffeinated drinks to decrease their appetite, to increase their metabolic rate. They will use over-the-counter supplements and protein drinks, and they will also take over-the-counter appetite suppressants. So anything that's going to give them that rush... That, that feeling that they have energy, yet they don't have to eat. Now, what about Ipecac? Um, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I've always heard that Karen Carpenter, the singer, that she died because she had so much Ipecac that it actually was cardiotoxic. Right, and that is something that patients will abuse. They want to get that food out no matter what it takes. So a lot of them are unsuccessful at inducing purging. They ha- their gag reflex is so high, they just can't do it. So they'll turn to something like Epicac to really cause the vomiting. Now, what about, do you see these, and I'm, I'm going to pick on women, I guess, but it could be a man, uh, these patients using uh, illicit drugs, maybe cocaine or methamphetamine? That's standard. I mean, working at an inpatient unit where it was substance abuse as well as their eating disorder, you know, one of the things that an anorexic patient is not going to go near is marijuana. Mm, they right. don't want to have to fight the munchies. Right. So you'll look in that population for the methamphetamine or the cocaine use, anything that's going to, again, increase metabolic rate and decrease their appetite. Actually, you bring up marijuana. That, that leads me to think, I wonder about, you know, there's a new medicine that's out in Europe that hasn't been approved here yet, but we assume it will be. Um, in Europe, it's called a complia. It's a endocannabinoid receptor blocker in the brain, and most of us don't realize, but we have marijuana receptors in our brain. They're called the endocannabinoids. Um, And so this medicine is meant for overeaters to stop the munchies. And, you know, I wonder, do you have any opinions about that, how that might come into play in your patients? I think they're going to be now lining up. And I think we're in this quick fix sort of mindset. And so anything new that comes on the market, look at the money that's spent in diet aids and diet plans. 
And you know what's interesting to me, because I do a lot of the bariatric surgery evaluations, is that these patients can lose weight. I hear over and over again, Dr. Berkus, I've lost 100 pounds doing this diet or 80 pounds with Weight Watchers or 50 pounds on Atkins, and, and they have lost the weight. The problem is keeping the weight off, and that's that yo-yo effect that can be so dangerous in terms of uh, metabolic changes. So I think patients are going to line up for anything that's touted as the, the newest, most improved method of curbing appetite. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Vicki Burkus of Tucson, Arizona. We have been discussing pharmacological treatment of eating disorders. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.